1: Hello, welcome to the Ghosts of Harrenhal, my name is Simon.
0: And I'm McKelly.
1: Thank you for joining us for episode 67 of our chapter-by-chapter book review of A Song of Ice and Fire by George Martin. Today we'll be discussing chapter 66 of A Game of Thrones, that's Bran 7.
0: And I bet you know what I'm about to say. I do. You do. But but I'm reading it. (laughs) (laughs) I have a hunch most of our listeners do as well. We're going to chat about the chapter and we're going to try not to spoil any future plot points for you. And hopefully... We're going to provide you with some entertainment along the way. We'll summarize
1: what's happened, discuss our thoughts on it, provide some useful background, compare it to the television show, indulge in a little pedantry, and cover some reader mail. Be sure to check out the show notes to provide some additional information, which will be handy if you're not reading along with us. Indeed. How are you,
0: Michele? I am doing pretty good. How about you? That's good.
1: I'm. I'm. You know me. I'm always upbeat. Yes. Nothing gets me down.
0: That's right. That is that that is one thing I know about you, and I know your brother will agree.
1: <laughs>
0: there was a mysterious comment left on our fiftieth uh, anniversary YouTube video that said, "Laid back, laid back, you out of your mind."
1: <laughs> no, I wasn't arguing that point here. I was just saying I'm a, I'm upbeat. I, I'm not always laid back. You you were wrong about that, McKelly. <laughs>
0: Well, in my nearly two decades of knowing you, that is my interpretation of you anyway.
1: So, I'll uh, so to my brother. He had a funny story for me this weekend. He uh, he has a cat flap into his house and he has two cats. Right? But a third cat has been breaking in and stealing their food <laughs> and and bullying them. And so
0: <laughs> I guess that's the downside <laughs> when you just have a random cat flap you need to have right. like some kind of code on it or something.
1: Exactly, <laughs> yeah. So he um he lives in France and so I guess the French treat animals differently than I would, but he he gets this cat and he still sitting in a crate and he gets in his car and he drives like 5 kilometers down <laughs> the road. And okay. He's ter- And he turfs it out, you know, and he said, you know, he put up with it for a while, but he said it was really, I mean, he was like, this cat was bullying his cats. So Uh he said like a day later, that cat is back in his house eating his food again. Wow. So you don't know what five kilometers is like three miles. Yeah. 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 Yeah.
0: So I I could tell you my dog would not be able to get home if I drove for three miles in any random direction. (laughs) So. So
1: he got he gets it again, sticks it back in the crate, puts it back in the car, and now he drives ten kilometers oh wow,
0: okay, doubling the distance, yeah
1: mm-hmm. and uh day and a half later, the cat is back, he's like, "Oh, I don't believe it so he <laughs> says okay i'm gonna do i'm gonna go further, and if it comes back it's it's my cat from now on, I'm right. going to keep it." Uh Okay, so he goes 20 kilometers, which includes crossing a freeway. Like, there's no way this cat can get back this time.
0: You cross the English Channel. Exactly. That's what I
1: was thinking. You're practically into the channel by this point. So two days later, the cat is back. No way. Yep, completely. So he's like, well, I made a promise. If you got back, you were my cat. So you're my cat now. So he he puts it in the crate again. The cat is like, wait a minute. But just to take it to the vet, because it's a boy cat. (laughs) And it's yeah. got, you know, it yeah. needs to be fixed. Uh-huh. So he takes it to the vet, and he arrives at the vet, and the vet says, "Not you
0: again." <laughs> <And everybody's> like, <laughs> the cat a frequent flyer at the vet. <laughs>
1: the cat has got a microchip, and each time the cat never walked home, people brought the cat to the vet. The vet scanned oh. the microchip and they dropped it off at my brother's next-door neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
0: fantastic. Uh, so it's the neighbor's cat. <laughs>
1: it's the neighbor's cat. My, my brother's not telling him that he's three times tried to get rid of it.
0: <laughs> if he had tried one more time, he really might have taken him across the English Channel. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, so, man. yes. Good I thought you'd stuff. like that story. I do indeed.
1: <laughs> uh, well we don't have a very long chapter here but then again nothing happens because we're still in coronavirus lockdowns. so
0: yeah no real interesting stories going on in my life i was thinking while i was uh editing the episode that's coming up next week i was thinking i should remind folks that if they do ever get tired of listening to us blab on in this section which i can't imagine anyone would i know i I could tell by your face you're as puzzled as (laughs) i would be by this idea but (laughs) if you ever were to i do put chapter markers in each episode so they could just skip directly to the uh character recap and cut out all of this excitement and enlightenment
1: (laughs) well that's interesting i now i know
0: yes and now the listeners know, so no one may ever hear this again.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm thinking about the last one we recorded. So the last one we recorded was um, uh, backward spoiler alert, Ned getting decapitated, right? Ah,
0: yes. Yes, I, I hope yep. you just didn't come in right now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Ned got what? <laughs> I, I did say spoiler alert. Uh-huh. Um, they, I do the comparison with the television show. As you know, this is yep. not news to you. I do. Um, I, I missed a bit because... That chapter was represented at the end of episode nine of the first season, but it actually spills over into the beginning of episode 10. Oh, so I actually okay. missed a little bit. Let, let me fill in the blank right now, if I may. Yes. And all right. The TV show definitely concluded that Joran was cutting uh, Arya's hair because that's what he does. He drags her off and cuts
0: her hair. Okay. cuts it yeah, short I, to make her I look I was like just a listening to that part last night when I was editing it, and I thought... I wonder what the TV, why didn't I ask him what the TV show had, what the TV show did?
1: <laughs> because all I watched was until the end of the episode, you see. I didn't think to start the next episode, right. too. But the, <laughs> the next episode went, the next episode actually starts with um, ice dripping blood.
0: Oh, man.
1: And then it pans to uh, Arya and Joran, Jor, sort of her, sort of against his chest with her eyes closed. And then he drags her off into the... Uh, into a sort of dark alley and cuts her hair. Hacks at her so hair, hair like with a knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I did miss that. Sorry. I'll try to be more careful with my watching of the show.
0: Well, you're on the final episode of the season, right? So Yes.
1: Hopefully I won't have to jump around anymore. Yeah. Right. <laughs> All right. So anyway, let's get down to business with a quick recap of what Bran was up to last time we saw him. As we saw of Bran, he was watching the great northern host assemble at Winterfell. He talked with Osha in the Godswood about her warning to Rob that he and his men were marching in the wrong direction. Uh, Bran and Hodor then watched as Rob led the army out of Winterfell, leaving Bran as the Stark in Winterfell. Uh, Obviously, unusually forgetting Rick in the process. (laughs) (laughs) The only Stark in... Wait a minute, that's not (laughs) right. (laughs) right. So why don't we give them a summary of this one?
0: All right. Bran and Maester Lewin survey the sorry scene as Sir Roger Cassell puts the latest Winterfell recruits through their paces. The cream of the Northern soldiery went to King's Landing and aren't coming back. Tier 2 are with Rob, so now it's the dregs, but the walls of Winterfell need be manned. Maester Lewin is using a telescope to inspect a red comet that has recently appeared.
1: Bran recounts his dream of the night before in which the Three-Eyed Crow took him to the crypts under Winterfell, where he met his father, Bran's father, not the crow's father. We don't know who that is.
0: Glad you cleared Um, that up.
1: uh, On waking, Bran tried to visit the crypts, but Hoda was too scared to go down there. Lewin's not worried by the dream, but they decide to go down there with Osha, who's no longer chained, and she can carry Bran.
0: As they walk past the Stark tombs, Bran gives Osha history lessons. And when they reach Ned's tomb, a monster leaps out of it and attacks Lewin. Bran sets Summer on the monster, and the two fight. Rickon then comes out of the tomb and calls Shaggy Dog, whew, it was not an undead Stark, thankfully, uh, to heal. Lewin has a nasty wound on his arm, and both wolves are bloodied. Rickon was down there because he had the same dream as Bran.
1: They head up to the Maester's Tower to patch up Lewin, who tries to explain away the shared dream but Osha is ready to believe that the boys have intuited something. This leads to a long discussion about the children of the forest, who often uh, were able to understand and read each other's dreams, um, in which Lewin shows and gifts obsidian or dragonglass arrowheads to the boys. These were forged by the, by the children of the forest.
0: The tale is cut short as the two direwolves suddenly begin to howl. A raven has arrived, and Bran and Rick and Hug... The news is what all feared it would be. We'll be right back. Hello, friends. Are you ready to make some unforgettable memories? Well, if so, consider the Marriott Bonvoy program. Discover the perfect destination for your summer getaway and unlock exclusive deals on luxurious accommodations. With our affiliate partnership, you'll enjoy unbeatable savings and a seamless booking experience. Don't let summer slip away. Visit Marriott Bonvoy today and make this vacation season one for the books. Use our Ghosts of Heron Hall affiliate page to check it all out and buy Bonvoy points or give some as a gift. The link to our page is in the show notes.
1: Yeah, so um yeah, given given that the, the central um, the central action of this chapter actually happens in the previous chapter. We don't have an awful lot to discuss here, right? The, this whole what are they? What are they? Is their dream true or not? Well, we already knew it was true. Yes, we read about that last time.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. It is uh like with a lot of brand chapters, there's not a ton to talk about yet with his stuff. It's more, you know, a lot of times with the with the younger kids, it, it there's not. No, that wasn't the case last week with Arya because no, obviously she yeah, was seeing. There some, was
1: quite a lot of action in that one. Yeah, so. Yes. Yes. More than I needed, right <laughs> well, one thing I will say just before we start actually, is that I'd completely forgotten about the red comet this this comet and and reading up on it it's it's fairly substantial, it's like it's brighter than the moon, so visible in the daytime, yeah, and uh covered half the sky. some reports <laughs> said anyway, so
0: I wonder if it comet. is at this point because it's newly on the scene. You know your comets, sir. They they <laughs> get
1: brighter. They don't appear at their brightest and then disappear. They uh-huh. get brighter and then and they get less bright as time goes on Look at birds.
0: me, with my knowledge. Um,
1: the comet is known as, not in all parts, but it is known as King Joffrey's Comet because it coincided with his coming to the throne.
0: Right? Yeah. I'm sure it's got various names in various locations.
1: It does. Yes, obviously... In Essos, for instance, they don't call it King Joffrey's Comet.
0: Could not care less about King Joffrey exactly. or his Comet.
1: And I think in the North, they'll never call it King Joffrey's Comet. <laughs> right. They might call it Ned's Comet.
0: Yes. <laughs> uh, so the, the first thing that struck me at the very beginning of the chapter is that it's rather worrisome. So basically, as we mentioned in the summary, sir Roderick is trying to condition what few recruits he could muster up to try and create some sort of household guard for the for winterfell and the starks and it's not going very well and you know (laughs) it's a little bit worrisome that they left the cupboard so bare and it, it thankfully winterfell is surrounded by miles and miles of northern land it's um, it's got we, back going we did, for it.
1: We did talk about this, didn't we? I think when the Northern Army was leaving, in the last branch chapter, we talked about this a little bit, that yeah. that Winterfell is pretty much undefended, other than by its being deep in the heart of the North.
0: Right. But, yes.
1: And it's hard to get to the North by land, because you'd have to come via the neck, which and that's not easy to navigate, as we nope. know. But you could sail around it. Yes. And all of the towns and beaches of the north are empty because everyone's gone off to fight in the south. So if yeah. you wanted to, this is a vulnerability for the Starks, which that perhaps they haven't thought through.
0: Yeah, and the longer this fighting goes on, the more likely their enemies or the those who might care to take advantage of this will hear about it and have time to think. Hey, you know what? If all of the Stark forces are in the Riverlands, or have been lost in King's Landing, they're pretty vulnerable up there. I believe they've got an eight-year-old running things.
1: <laughs> right. So, yeah, I mean, it's a good point. I mean, remember, we were talking last time about the balance of uh, captives. And now now the Starks have a much stronger group of captives than do the Lannisters. Well, the Lannisters could equalize this by sending a raiding party up here, yep. grab, grab the one remaining Stark, Bran. Oh, wait. <laughs> <away>. <laughs> and that might help to redress the balance that they uh, let slip away last time
0: yeah you wonder i mean ned's pretty heads up guy i guess he felt <laughs> like hell oh, man <laughs> <laughs> you're a monster <laughs> i am what terrible thing for me to say about poor eddard stark he's a pretty smart guy but i guess when he left he felt like he was leaving plenty of Soldiers behind to defend Winterfell.
1: Right, he was.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he He was taking the cream of the crop
1: because he was leaving the huge crop behind. But now that huge crop is no longer in the north.
0: Yeah, remember in Cat Two when Cat was trying to convince him to go south, uh, when he and Lewin and Cat were talking, he referred to going to King's Landing as a uh, nest of adders. So I guess he felt he needed to have his cream of the crop there to keep him safe but as we see not many people left now but one thing Roderick said that made me laugh he was he was uh disparaging the the uh new recruits and he said that some of them were fighting like like geese like you peck him and he pecks you back and, and one of the recruits laughs and he says you you laugh huh that's funny you fight like a hedgehog and i thought that doesn't seem too bad Hedgehogs have pretty good defenses and a pretty effective offense. <laughs> you know. but,
1: well, I, th- I think I think you're giving them a bit too much credit. They're, they're good defensively, but I don't think they actually run around trying to spike you. I think they just curl up and hope you are deterred. go away. I did look yeah. it up.
0: Some of them do throw themselves mm, and their no. quills at you. Yes, get. I, I looked it up last night before I. <laughs> well, I was uh, thinking well, about this. <laughs>
1: I do apologize. What do I know?
0: What what did I know beforehand? And who knows? It was a Wikipedia <laughs> page. It's not like I have uh, spoken to a zoologist about it.
1: Hedgehog lore, thank uh, you. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but actually, I don't think geese isn't that bad either. I mean, have you ever sort of like been attacked by a goose? It's absolutely uh, terrifying.
0: Do you remember when one of our colleagues got attacked by a goose in the parking lot of our building? No. Is it was a, oh, a colleague whose first name begins with the T? and uh office was on your hallway there uh she was she was trying to get you know how the geese get cuz we've got a big lake right by our buildings uh-huh. and uh he the male goose i think was protecting a, a female goose that must have been getting to, ready to uh, hatch some <laughs> geeselings. and and he charged her and knocked and she was backpedaling and fell over <laughs>
1: I don't remember this story. That's awesome. Well, they are. You see, Roderick is totally wrong. Exactly. Al- hey, if they had illusions. a bunch of geese and
0: hedgehogs, they might be better off than he thinks.
1: <laughs> uh, so Bran dreamt about talking with Ned down in the crypts. Um, Ned was supposed. To, uh, Bran reported that Ned was very sad in the conversation. And interesting, what he said. He that he was sad about John.
0: Yeah. And that's not the first time we, we've very recently heard about Ned being sad about John when he was down in the dungeons. Uh, I, the line was, the thought of John filled Ned with a sense of shame and sorrow too deep for words. If only he could see the boy again, sit and talk with him.
1: So... I'd forgotten that, yes. I'd forgotten that. So so this is not just uh, Brand just dreaming. This is all sort of prophetic. This is all... Maybe he he, kn- he knows that Ned is dead, and he knows that Ned was thinking about John when he died, you
0: know or at least shortly before he died, he was right. kind of sad thinking <laughs> about John, yeah. so maybe it seems like the sadness comes from not having whatever conversation he wanted to have with John.
1: We know what that is, don't we
0: <laughs> the th-
1: The conversation we wanted to hear, why don't you go up and tell him and tell him who his mother was?
0: You know I, that is uh yeah exactly that there is um something there about well I, I haven't I had to I had it scheduled to talk about later but we could talk about it now are Rickon and Bran the only two to have this dream or do you know all the Stark kids will they all end up have well, having had this dream
1: Sansa didn't need to have it because she witnessed it yeah. Ari is going to have it every night from now on. Right, right. <laughs> and we haven't talked to Rob yet, so we'll find out, I guess. Yeah,
0: and John. Wonder you know?
1: Uh, John too. Yeah.
0: I wondered if maybe it's just because of their proximity to the Crips. Maybe there's you know some spiritual right. tie to the Crips that allowed yes. them to have the same. His dream
1: spirit morning. came home, and so they bumped into it. Right. right.
0: Yeah. But Ned also recently dreamt about being in the Crips. In the very beginning of the chapter where he finds out that Robert was gored by the boar, I think it was Ned 13, uh, in his dream, he came to the tombs. He, he was in the crypts, and he came to the tombs of his dad, sister, and brother. And like he always does when he's around his sister, he heard the promise me, Ned, and then he woke up. So uh, a lot of dreams. That's not the only dreams that take place in the crypts. John, as we, we've heard several, a couple times now, dreams about having to go into the crypts and not wanting to he's going down there to find his father and in the very last dream remember he had that he told us about that dream it's a reoccurring one he told us about it first when he met sam when he and sam were sitting outside of the um, dining hall after the first time they met he told him that story and then he mentioned it again Having it uh, again, but it was a little bit further this time. This time he went down into the tombs and the kings, the tombs started opening and the dead kings and lords of the Starks started to come out of their tombs, so. We'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Audible. To get a free audiobook, or two if you're an Amazon Prime member, go to our exclusive URL audibletrial.com slash ghosts heron you can find the link in our show notes
1: hmm. it's a good job you're here because i mean literally i'd forgotten all this but it's yeah i mean <laughs> they they do dream about the cribs i wonder if it's like i wonder if you know this is early separation from your parents yeah and that could lead you to think about them dying and i wonder if for the for the Starks, dying means going to the crypts. You know what yep. I mean. And so yeah. it's actually kind of fairly natural. It's, I mean, obviously there's a little bit of superstitious ma- magicalness about the fact that Rickon and Bran had this same dream on the same night. But maybe sort of the the more general thing of of the Stark children dreaming of Ned's death was just just a pure consequence of of the separation of their feeling.
0: Yeah, it, that's kind of what Lewin suggests later on. But also, you know, most of us don't have all of their family buried underneath their house. So, you know, that, that connection to most their dead family members might be something that causes them all to frequently dream about, about being you know, in these crypts.
1: Most right. of us law-abiding citizens don't have our families <laughs> right. buried under the house.
0: <laughs> it's true. Yep, yep. Uh, I can't say we all don't, but most of us don't. <laughs>
1: But yeah, you're you're right. So so um there is something about John in particular in the Crypts, and uh it's more than just he he dreams of the Crypt he dreamt of the Crypts before Ned died. Right. Whereas Frequently whereas,
0: according to yeah, him. Yeah.
1: Whereas Rickon and Bran, it's definitely connected to their father's death.
0: Yeah. I don't know that we have yet enough pieces to put to solve any puzzle about why John dreams about the Crypts and why Ned is in the Crypts thinking about John. But you know, maybe it's just something we can keep pointing out as we see it, and keep collecting the the pieces, and see if we get a big enough.
1: Yeah, but but whatever it is, yet. it's definitely it's definitely overlaid with his being a bastard. You know, I mean that's yes. that's that's the overlay is he, is he entitled to a place in the crypts? You know, yeah,
0: very much. He's yeah, a, that could he's that a snow, not a yeah, confusion star about yeah. his parentage, and yeah, you know. The Crips are kind of like a Stark family history down there, and you know his feeling of inadequacy and in whether or not he belongs. Yeah, yeah, I could see that. So,
1: so when this chapter started, I was I was interested that Bran was having another another part of this chapter was Bran's dream and how Bran seems to be a lot of Bran chapters are about the dreams that he's having and his interactions with the three eyed crow and what have you. But then this was kind of undercut here by Rick and having the same dream. I I thought. Bran is becoming a character who's a little bit metaphysical because he's lost the ability to walk, so now he's sort of living this dream life. But then Rickon dreamed the same dream. Yeah,
0: that put a a bit of a wrinkle in my thoughts as well. It it makes you wonder if, you know, we assume that Bran was getting these kind of dreams because of his interaction with the three-eyed crow. But if Rickon's having such dreams, is it is it something as normal for the Starks? We just had not heard about you. Ned's a pretty practical guy. So if he were aware of these supernatural elements in his family, like they all have these kind of, kind of prophetic dreams at times, you'd think he would uh, yes, be maybe a little got, less practical.
1: Yes. I can't really see Ned Stark at a seance anytime soon.
0: <laughs> right, Exactly. That's what I'm getting <laughs> at. Exactly. <laughs> and, but I also wondered if maybe the introduction of the direwolves was some kind of, catalyst for this kind of ability you know it seemed at the time a coincidence that there were two girl and four boy uh, direwolf pups one one of them was a loner you know a ghost was left by itself and that fits perfectly with the stark kids maybe maybe that wasn't a coincidence maybe there's more to that
1: yeah i mean i mean the are creatures that were believed to be extinct right and yeah. so there they were practically mythical creatures living amongst them
0: yeah. the sigil of their house the exact yeah. number and the exact uh at the the exact percentage of sex of the kids uh so maybe it is more than just a coincidence and uh, yeah. maybe there's maybe these kind of dreams for the starks are related to increased uh others movement in the you know, north of the wall right
1: yeah. right yeah, I mean, I mean, right back in the in the first uh, brand chapter, when uh, when we met the direwolves, they were talking about that being, a, you know, a, a a sort of historical thing that the Starks had direwolves in in ancient times when they also dealt with grumpkins and snarks from beyond the wall.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah and i i was also thinking maybe this comet you know this comet seems to coincide with you know new things happening or maybe uh it's messing with things
1: yeah i well, mean the, the fact that it's blood red definitely sort of like gives it a you know you you've got to think that the that the after that crow arrives telling the raven arrives telling you that your father's been beheaded the next time you look up and see that red comet that's going to make an association in your mind as well
0: yeah exactly so I don't know. I like you. I thought Bran was special with his dreaming, and now right. Rickon is having the same dream, and that makes me wonder.
1: But but maybe that's just this one dream. Maybe Bran will yeah. continue to be special with his dreams, you know? Right. But uh, but once the once it transpires that the two boys have had the same dream, even Lewin, who issues all of this uh, fantastical nonsense, is pretty shaken by the fact. He, he, and he like you said, he tried to explain it by saying both of them miss their fathers, it's natural for them for for them to have these concerns. Yeah. But, uh,
0: it's just, you know Then a raven shows up and says exactly <laughs> what they were saying <laughs> in their dreams. And I just wonder, as a man of science, how that will affect him if he if he will chalk it up to mere coincidence or if that will affect his perception of things maybe he will have uh, a more open mind when it comes to the supernatural type stuff
1: can can i take the role of maester lewin for a moment
0: absolutely
1: i i I see myself as a as a man of science i I, agree yes I, i i don't think of myself as very superstitious or anything like that if i was maester lewin here i would be like oh my god these boys foretold what happened. <laughs> right. If a raven didn't arrive yesterday that I missed and they got, this is really spooky. That's how maybe, I would
0: be. Maybe they've been punking him. Maybe they wrote the letter, put it on a raven. Say...
1: <laughs> <laughs> this raven seems beaten up. It looks like it's been mauled by a dire wolf. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to do with us, Lewin. <laughs> yeah. And the handwriting, it's awfully like yours, Rickon. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Looks a bit like a four-year-old's.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I, I i would say for sure, I mean, there's there's being someone who... Uh, I mean, what is a man of science? A man of science is someone who wants evidence to believe things, you know? Yeah. Well, there's evidence right here. Right. Pretty strong evidence, you know?
0: Yes, absolutely. You know, he and Asha have been going back and forth this you know, this whole chapter, they keep going back and forth about the existence of the children of the forest, whether they're gone or Asha says they've just gone into hiding in the north. And you know, we were talking before it was the last brand chapter about uh, how Asha claims that there's giants currently existing in the north, and that we had said, you know, if their giants are as prevalent as Asha claims they are, that Maester Aemon would likely have heard from some of the night's watch scouts about sightings or some kind of evidence and mentioned it to the citadel that hey we're getting evidence that the giants still exist up here so you know right. maybe maybe this will open his eyes to maybe asha's right about uh, the other supernatural beings as well
1: yeah yeah it's difficult though because i mean she is she is an unlettered savage Right, you know yes. it's, and and probably, for yeah. everything that she believes in that she's seen, she believes in things that she's heard about, you know, right, and so picking those apart,
0: yes, exactly, as a man of science, he would need to see more than just her saying, "Well, I'm telling you, there's also children in the forest and giants,
1: <laughs> I'm just saying, yeah, 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 um." <laughs> You, the note here has just made me laugh. <laughs> the children of the forest would be harder to spot than the giants.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was thinking about the, you know, if there's giants up north of the wall, you would think that the knights, members of the Knights Watch might have seen some evidence. It would be much harder for that to be true for children of the forest. They Very true. Very they're true. smaller and they probably blend in a little better.
1: Yes, yes. Indeed. Um... So, Osha has been, her chain's been removed, but the shackles, which is the bands around her ankles, have have been kept in place, but the chain is gone. So, she's free to move around, but has a constant, probably annoying reminder
0: that she is uh, yeah. captive. I, I found that uh, it was a little bit um, trustworthy of Lewin to allow her to carry Bran down all the stairs. You know, down into the crypts with those shackles around her legs. You get tripped up, they would all go, you know, both go for quite the spill. Well,
1: presumably they don't have anything dangling. They're just like clasps.
0: Oh, you don't think they're connected by the...
1: No, no, the that's chain. the bit that's been gone. The chain is gone, you see. So okay. she's got the clasps, but nothing I connecting them.
0: Yeah, I was that thinking would thinking be... her arm, like there was something connecting to her arms that had been removed. She just no, got no, like no. The, the metal around her ankles. Exactly, gotcha. Exactly. Okay.
1: Yes, that wouldn't be trusting, that would be silly. <laughs> I Here, thought... you,
0: with,
1: you with your feet tied together carry this child down those stone stairs
0: it makes much more sense now I was oh, thinking oh. wow that is really dangerous Lewin come on <laughs> so
1: um, she gets a lot of stark history while they're down in the tombs including the story of Liana's death which she thinks is very sad because it is, um, but yeah. she thinks that the empty holes that are waiting for the Stark children are even sadder, and she might have a point.
0: She, there. Yes, yes, we we talked <laughs> about that before. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, the Starks I, are ever so practical, but yeah. that's kind of grim.
0: <laughs> well, why don't you dig six or seven holes? Just you know, <laughs> just so you don't have to come down and do it later. It's chilly down here. I think it was the very first Ned chapter we talked about how grim it was to already have those holes dug ahead of time yeah. and Bran mentions though that um, Liana and Brandon are not supposed to have statues when, when he's giving this history lesson as they walk through And I think we also have mentioned this in the past but yeah, the did, statues yeah. are only for kings and lords, you know, Starks that were kings and or lords um, and but Ned loved them so much that he had statues put in anyway
1: Can I just and... say that that is a little bit non-Ned like that's a little it out is. of character for Ned Stark.
0: You're right; it is a little bit out of character.
1: I yeah. like it. I mean, it makes me want to wipe away a tear. But it is—it's not like him. It's surprising that
0: he. Yes, he's that. more of a letter of the law kind of guy.
1: Exactly, because
0: exactly. any Stark can be buried in the crypts. Obviously, there's there's holes waiting in the ground for Stark children who may never be lords of uh, Winterfell. It's only they can't normally statues are reserved for lords and the iron long swords that sit across their laps are usually also reserved for lords or Kings. And those are to keep the vengeful spirits in the, in the crypt that was right. mentioned in the uh, first Ned chapter.
1: Yeah. So when they get to Ned's, uh, Tomb, which I think I think it's strange that Lewin would go to this much trouble. Honestly, I like,
0: agree. Yes, where you're like
1: like okay, you've had a dream which might mean that something's happened to your father, but he's not literally in the tomb. I promise you. But I guess he wanted to show that, so he opens the tomb and a huge slavering monster jumps out and attacks him. <laughs> yeah. I would, I would have passed water I mean, <laughs> in My... the dark as well. I mean, it's like yeah. Aah!
0: I said during the uh, Whispering Woods chapter that I thought it was a good one for Halloween because it was kind of spooky. This one would have been better. <laughs> the the actual line is, the darkness sprang at him, snarling. Brand saw eyes like green fire, a flash of teeth, fur as black as the pit around them. That would be terrifying, especially if you're Lewin because it's literally chomping down on your arm." <laughs> Go Although first.
1: Lewin Lewin perhaps was the first to know that it was Shaggy Dog, you know, <laughs> because right. he was, like, I've been bitten by this thing before. <laughs>
0: Good point. Yeah, every everyone down there minus Rickon would be terrified at that moment. <laughs> yeah.
1: But uh, so so Bran sets summer on whatever it is, I think before he knows that it's Shaggy Dog, he says Summer, you know, Summer goes and attacks it. Because Summer
0: was, Summer wouldn't go down. Summer stayed back at the top of the stairs. He refused to come down with them until Brands uh, shouted for Summer and then Summer came uh, rushing to their rescue.
1: I I forgot that. Yes, that's right. I thought he was just there by his heel, but yeah, you're right. But that's then strange now because... Because I would have thought that Summer would have been aware of Shaggy Dog's presence down there by smell.
0: I agree, yes. Yeah.
1: Or and maybe I... <laughs> that's why he didn't want to go there. <laughs> <laughs> There's a jump scare waiting for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> jump scare, I like it.
1: <laughs> but but what, what interested me was when the two wolves fight, eventually Rickon comes out and says, Shaggy Dog, and Shaggy Dog comes to him, so it's like he has trained him. Right. But he's trained him to be half-wild, basically.
0: Yeah. You know, uh, Lewin says to, um, to Bran later, you know, not later, like a few seconds later, that Shaggy can't come with them back out of the, the crypts because he has to be chained or, and Bran thinks in his head, the oar is, or killed. But, you know, I thought maybe someone should have been helping the three-year-old train the incredibly dangerous wild animal. They might not be. <laughs> they might not be. Yeah. I mean, did you just left it to the three year old?
1: He's absolutely trained the wolf to the best of his abilities, to the level of his own moral code. Right. <laughs> but he is three. So really? How is he supposed to know that you shouldn't bite people?
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I- I've been wondering this all along. Like, I know he's four now, but through most of this book, he's been three.
1: Right, right. Yes, he's four. Yeah, I mean now, now... <laughs> no excuses, <Rick>.
0: right? <laughs> but I thought you know, then they go back up to Lewin's uh, tower, that you know, Lewin's chambers where where he lives. And uh, first he says, "No, this isn't happening," because Brand says, "Come on, we're all going to go up to this, up to your." tower and he's like nope sorry that's not happening and, and Osha's like well Bran's the lord here so we're going because he said so <laughs> and, and they get up there and you know there's more kind of chaos going on up there and I just thought Lewin has amazing patience like so far he's indulged Bran's crazy dream talk enough to take him down into the crypts then he is attacked by Shaggy overruled by an 8 year old about Shaggy and taking two direwolves and Rickon, who's just as wild, up into his chambers. Osha keeps going on and on about the children of the forest and the giants, contradicting everything that he says. And but still he's like keeping his cool. He's helping Bran with counting lessons and he's giving I mean he's helping Rickon with counting lessons and he's giving Bran history lessons. I would have snapped at these little brats hours ago.
1: You you raise an excellent point. In fact, in fact I think for me that the, the cherry on the top of this awful Sunday that he's being forced to drink is that while he's having his arm patched up, like, you know, his horribly mauled, bloody yeah. arm patched up, the perpetrator is sitting in the room licking <laughs> its own wounds, like, you know, like he belongs. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> I yeah. can do it again anytime I want.
0: And the person putting, uh, you know, the bandages on his arm keeps contradicting everything he's telling Bran about the Children (laughs) of the Forest.
1: (laughs) Oh, where's that chain? (laughs) So the chapter ends with the arrival of the raven. So the, the, the and interestingly, what you were saying before about the wolves being sort of like the harbinger of the boys being more attuned to the you know supernatural world, the right. wolves start to howl just before the raven arrives.
0: Yeah, right. They have this That's sudden I mean, I howling about session. That, yeah,
1: and then they stop howling, and then the raven arrives with the news. And uh, I think it's. Uh, I think Lewin opens, Lewin takes the note from the Raven's leg, and I think Bran asks, what does it say? And Osha says, oh, you already know what it says. Right, uh, yeah. And he, Lewin, Lewin, again, Rickon is only four, so it's a little bit cryptic what Lewin says. He actually says um, we need to find a stonemason who remembers your father well, or something like that. It's a slightly cryptic like a slightly cryptic way to say your father's dead.
0: Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, Rickon might be like, and? <laughs> what does that mean? Is he coming home and we're making a portrait of him? <laughs>
1: So yeah, that's about it. There wasn't an awful lot to do in that chapter, but we we got no. some background because because there was quite a lot of background given in the chapter. Most of the children of the forest background, I think, we already gave when we talked about the weirwoods and things. So I mean, yeah, most
0: that, I yeah, ninety percent of it we'd already yeah. covered.
1: But but we got uh, a long catalogue of Stark grandees, uh, right? So uh, we'll just go through those. So there was. Um, John Stark, he was uh, king in the north. So, if he's a king in the north, that will, that means he predates and Targaryen, who right. basically stripped the, uh, the 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 lords of the Seven Kingdoms of their kingliness right. and brought it all under his control. Um, John Stark was known to have driven uh, sea raiders out from the east. He built the castle at White Harbor. Uh, which is not Newcastle, the current seat of House Manley. He built the wolf's den, which is now used as a prison.
0: And then we've got uh King Rickard Stark. <clears throat> he is John's son and he annexed the Neck to be part of the North. There's more to that story. We'll get into it another day. The the okay. annexing of the uh the neck. But then, then we yes. get uh, Theon Stark and he's he's a pretty interesting character, actually. Uh, he was King of the North at the time of the Andal Invasion, and he was constantly and pretty much successfully at war with the Andals. Now, he was aided by House Bolton, and House Bolton we're familiar with so far because we've met Roose Bolton. He's with he's leading the other half of the northern host that Rob was not leading. And King Theon defeated the Andal warlord Argo Seven Star in the Battle of the Weeping Water. And it wasn't enough for him, though. He then took the fight to the Andal's home. He sailed across the narrow sea to the coast of Andalos with Argos' body displayed on the prow of his ship like a figurehead. Theon then burned a bunch of Andal villages, killing hundreds and capturing three tower houses and a fortified sept, and the king displayed the spiked heads of his victims along the coastline to deter future invaders.
1: Hmm. Yeah it was pretty serious.
0: Yeah there's even more interesting stuff about King uh, Theon but we'll we'll talk about that another time. Okay. So the, um Brandon the
1: shipwright was a king in the north he loved the sea and uh his demise was that he sailed west across the sunset sea in search of a shy I think and uh never returned so his tomb is empty which is unusual I think to begin starts come home.
0: I guess his plan Because he sailed west across the Sunset Sea, and Ashaya is as far to the east as you can possibly get. So I think his plan was to sail around and see if he could come up the other way, I guess, because either that or he was really bad at directions, because he (laughs) went west to go really far east.
1: (laughs) And Brandon the shipwright was was, um, succeeded by his son, Brandon the Burner, um, so named because in grief over his father's death, he burned all the ships that he took, that uh, right. because he didn't want any part of that. And um, Roderick Stark were, uh, is known to have won Bear Island for the North from the Ironborn, um, possibly, uh, possibly just a rumor, but that he won it through a wrestling contest. According to the World of Ice and Fire, some maesters believe that there is truth to that story. The kings of the Iron Islands were often felt, often felt the need to prove their prowess and write to their crown with feats of strength. Other oh, scholars question the tale and suggest that Roderick won the island back with his clever words.
0: Boring.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Winning a whole island with your smarts it could be interesting.
0: <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Then we get Torren Stark. He's the king who knelt.
1: Ah, yeah. yes. So the last Stark king, right? Yes.
0: Yes, he knelt to the uh, to Aegon, the Conqueror, and he became the first lord of Winterfell instead of king of the north. And we'll yep. do a proper background section on him in a future episode because there's plenty of information on king and then lord Torrin Stark.
1: But just a would... word here. Just a word here. Ned, you see, you can... That bend the knee, basically, Ned. You yes. could have bent the knee. There's precedent for it. You didn't have to be so stubborn.
0: Yeah, of course, Balerion uh, staring you in the eye makes it a little easier to <laughs> drop to that knee. I'm betting Ned would have knelt too if Balerion had been on the other side. <laughs>
1: but in with hindsight, Geoffrey Baratheon was just as dangerous as Balerion the Dread.
0: Turns out, turns out, yeah. Yes. Who could have guessed? And then we get Kragan Stark. He's known as the Old Man of the North, as he was Lord of Winterfell for the reign of several Targaryen kings. There's there's good info uh, for a proper future background section on him as well. But one detail that I found (laughs) particularly interesting is, according to a wiki of Ice and Fire, Kragan was born in 108 AC. That is pretty well known. (laughs) However, his death, he died somewhere between 157 and 209 AC. So he either died at 49 or 101. (laughs) I found that to be rather interesting. Here's their philosophy, if you're interested in. Uh, Kragan had a son die in one of the final battles during the conquest of Dorne. This battle occurred in either 157 or 158 AC. The, The son was Kragan's heir at the time, indicating that Kragan still ruled Winterfell, so he was still alive. So... Kragan died in 157 or after. Also, Kragan was succeeded as Lord of Winterfell by a son who died at the latest in 209 AC. Therefore, Kragan could have technically died in the same year as this son, but not after, meaning that 209 is the latest possible year of the death for Kragan. So, (laughs) he was either 59, he was either 49 or 101, somewhere in between.
1: This, that's like the story of uh, did Did you see the stat about Bernhard Langer, the golfer, this week? I did not. So he he played in the Masters yeah. and he made the cut. You know, yeah, he, he did very did okay. well. Um, he has now played in major tournaments against t- two players born one hundred years apart. Oh wow! His first major tournament, uh, he played against a guy who was born in nineteen oh two. Guy was seventy. 70- four at the time i don't even remember the guy's name but in the was masters
0: this gene sarazen
1: yes that's the name yeah very good look at you and your uh, in i the was masters a this professional
0: week, golf writer once upon a time right
1: in, <laughs> in, the, in the in the in the masters this week he played against a guy born in 2002 so he's, he's wow. now played in, in <laughs> what a cool isn't that, stat isn't that crazy
0: that is that's really look neat. at me
1: with my with my golf stats, for you. Yeah. So, so there you go. You see, so Bernhard Langer died somewhere in between nineteen <laughs> <laughs> But that, that is interesting. So, so Bran also talks about his grandfather, but he gets some of the information wrong, right? He, he tells Osha that his grandfather Rickard was beheaded by Aerys Targaryen.
0: Right. But he was. Uh there is a the whole revelation to how Rickard and Brandon died and we'll let the story tell us that but it wasn't beheading i'll say that yeah, interesting <laughs> so I, I found that interesting that, uh, obviously uh george martin must have known that so he must have just thought you know this little kid probably might not know exactly how his grandfather died he just figured it was beheading so
1: or You've found Rock Solid Pedantry, one or the other. The
0: <laughs> I'm gonna bet that he knew, but it's possible, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh
1: the other two people that uh Bran talks to Osha through are Liana and Brandon Stark, and we already know them pretty well.
0: Right. So the other
1: th- the other uh background in this chapter is about the children of the forest we've preempted lewin a bit on this one we know that their green seers carved the faces in the weir woods and can use those faces to see from afar we know that they when they encountered the first men who crossed the land bridge from essos they fought wars with them and eventually used their magic to break that land bridge A truce was called that kept the peace for four thousand years the pact that that truce marked the end of what's known as the Dawn Age and the beginning of the Age of Heroes. The arrival of the Andals between two and th- 6,000 years ago and the faith of the Seven ended that truce. The Andals destroyed the Godwoods and uh, what the remnants of the children of the forest were forced to flee. Only in the north did the first men defeat the Andals, courtesy of... Oh, oh I should remember this. We just nope. talked about it two minutes ago. Which, nope. which Stark Him? fought the Andals? No, which, which oh, Stark um. fought...
0: It was uh, Theod start,
1: yes. Got it. Just in time. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so only in the north did the first men defeat the Andals. Uh, they threw back every army that tried to cross the neck. Uh,
0: All that being said, though, the oldest records of the first men, along with records from maesters that claim to have lived among the children of the forest, suggest that men have lived in the mouth of the Honeywine, which is where Old Town stands, since the Dawn Age. And a maester named Jellicoe suggested that the settlement at Whispering Sound began as a trading post where ships from Valeria, Old Gis, and the Summer Isles could resupply and trade with what is referred to as Elder Races. So I thought that was pretty uh, pretty neat detail.
1: And, and the elder races could be the children of the forest?
0: I guess so. Uh, yeah, yeah. Or
1: or men or, that predated the first man.
0: Maybe. I I don't know. It just, just said that, but yeah, could have been some Children of the Forest type stuff, or it could have been other races of uh, humanoids. I don't know.
1: This this is shrouded in mystery of, of thousands of years. So.
0: Right, yes.
1: Um, I, our not being quite sure is forgivable, I feel. <laughs> so in comparison with the television show, this is, this is actually a very quick scene in the television show, because it, we skip Lewin and Bran watching the f- uh, fighting. Roderick Cassell is not in this scene at all. Uh, we see the first part of Bran's dream where he's following the crow towards the crypts, um, but then it cuts to Osha carrying him down to the crypts. Um The History of the Starks is just grandfather Rickon and Aunt Liana, the TV okay. show's cutting to the chase. Yep. Um Shaggy attacks OSHA, who drops Bran but also her torch, and the torch kinda of keeps Shaggy at bay so he doesn't actually savage her.
0: Oh, okay. Wow, that's very. He, he I bet Lewin on. would prefer this option. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yes. First of all, he wasn't there, and second of all, no. Alright. <laughs> um, <laughs> when they're leaving the crypts, I mean, uh, Rickon comes out of the crypt, obviously, and says, "You know, he had the same dream." When they're leaving the crypts, Osha's the one trying to be rational. She's saying, "You both miss, miss your father. It's only natural." Sort oh, of thing. wow. She is okay. not. Yeah, yeah.
0: She's the voice um, of reason, who-
1: but. Right. But as they leave the crypts, just as they come out of the crypts, they see Lewin across the yard and he already has the news. He looks stricken and sort of uh, he's holding a piece of paper. So it all the whole thing takes less than two minutes in the TV show.
0: Okay, Hmm. same. uh, Ultimately, the same end, just different way of getting there, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pedantry. How in the heck? did Rick and get down in the crypts and how Why does he did... find the grave in the pitch darkness?
1: Uh, yes. I mean,
0: I know he's four and a Stark, so he's basically a man grown, but still <laughs> even an adult would have trouble navigating cave darkness. Uh, he Surely he's too young to be firing up his own torch and one, wand- you know, he can't be much bigger than the torch. Yeah, as a yeah. four-year-old, but he might he might
1: have had the torch to get down there, and he might have gone out when he got there, and so then he got into the tomb to sort of sleep or something. Yeah,
0: maybe he because, m- he's Rick- cause he's because
1: he's because he's Rickon. Maybe he, maybe maybe he lives down there. I mean, we don't know where he <laughs> was prior
0: to this. <laughs> right, he might have been down there for ages. I once, oh, uh, I I once went um down into caves in, in Western PA. They're called Laurel Caverns, and there's a point where you know you get into this chamber um, way down in the depths of the caves and they shut out all the lights that they have on and like the the level of darkness is just crazy dark it is absolute darkness mm-hmm. and I would have to imagine the crypts would be fairly similar to that so I would think so yes I would think so <laughs> if he didn't have a torch I do not understand how he managed to make his way to Ned's uh, grave site.
1: Yeah. So news and notes, you got something about your uh, Saxon series.
0: Yeah, George Martin, uh, just recently on his blog, uh, which is called Not a Blog, he mentioned that he's a big fan of Bernard Cornwell and uh, all of his series, but um, he specifically mentioned the Saxon series, which... It was the basis for the TV show, The Last Kingdom, which you all know I'm a big fan of. And the newest book in the series was just released. It's called Warlord. And uh, George Martin read it, and he said he loved it. And he said, quote, I'm quoting him here, Cornwell brings battles to life like no one else. So if you're interested, it's out there. Go go get it.
1: We did have one idea, which was um, if anyone's got any pedantry of their own, it can be I mean, it can be chapter specific if you want, like we do, but it can be sort of broader than that if you've got something. We 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 know that people enjoy the pedantry bits. And so if anyone's got anything they'd like to contribute, do, do reach out and we'll certainly include it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we get plenty of communications uh, from people saying that, you know, they've thought of the same. They're glad to hear someone voice thoughts that they've had. So there's got to be thoughts that we haven't voiced. So Set oh yeah, in. sure. We'll, yeah. As long as it's not a spoiler, we'll put it on the air. If it is a spoiler, we'll wait until it's not a spoiler, then put it on there.
1: I still remember. I still remember an episode where during the introduction we thought of some clever pedantry, and by the time we got to pedantry, we'd forgotten what it was. So there was one for sure where we missed some pedantry. <laughs>
0: right, that was the one where we sat for at least five to ten minutes. Well, of just like dead air silence, <laughs> trying <laughs> to think of what it was. <laughs> Just steal this listener,
1: McKelly did edit out before he published. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that would have made a terrible outtake. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: Alright, let's conclude. Yes, sir. So it's it is desperately sad for Rick and Brown. I mean it's easy to forget that while we're making jokes, but I mean these are two little boys who've lost their yeah. father. They're, yeah, they're too tough. young for this uh for this news and when when the people who are there to comfort them are Maester Lewin, Roderick Cassell and Osha. That's not <laughs> that's not a soft feather bed of comfort they're looking forward yeah.
0: to. It. Hopefully, you know, um maybe with between the trio, they'll get what they need. You know, they can get their safety and security from Roderick, their education from Lewin and maybe some compassion and understanding of fantasy supernatural type things from Osha yeah you know, maybe with with the three of them they can cobble together what's necessary to raise these boys,
1: yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right, between the three of them, they wouldn't be as bad as Sam Tali's father,
0: right yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah, I just you know I mean these poor kids they keep losing everyone that they love, Cat still hasn't come back, and she's not likely coming back anytime soon. She's heading in the wrong direction, as is Rob. And, you know, we had hoped that if they broke the siege at Riverrun, maybe a hostage trade could end the conflict. But now with, you know, the killing of Ned, war seems destined to uh, to break out here. I, like we talked last chapter, it doesn't seem like just a simple trade of hostages is going to patch things up.
1: Yeah, but but you are right that Osha was very kind to the boys in this chapter. She was understanding and and sweet and and, and also listened to them. You know, Lewin was right. trying to uh, argue their argue their thoughts away, whereas she was like, don't eh, know, you've got a point and yeah. and taking her, and taking their side against Lewin as well,
0: which is kind You're of right. Yeah, she was holding them when when the Raven came. She was holding both of them and you know, kind of rubbing their heads and. It seemed very, uh, very compassionate to them there.
1: Yeah. So, McGillicuddy raised the good question. Actually, did did all the Stark kids have this dream, or at least the ones who didn't actually witness the event? Did Did Rob right. and John have the dream too, um, or was it just a because a proximity to the crypts thing that brought it to Rickon and uh, Bran? Exactly. And, and and why are they having these dreams now? We we thought perhaps Rickon had become something. Because of his injuries, he'd become Brand. more more one of them. We 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 thought maybe that Bran had become more because of his injuries had become more attuned to the sort of supernatural. But Rickon's having the same dream too. So uh, is it is it the just the presence of the direwolves in their lives that's made them more uh, susceptible to these kinds of things?
0: Right, or is it a Stark trait we just haven't heard about yet?
1: Right, possibly yeah.
0: And uh, we've mentioned this a couple times, but. Maybe wasn't the greatest idea to leave Winterfell with so desperately short on defenses.
1: Yeah, but well, I mean, they got Shaggy Dog. He'll take care of a lot. <laughs> That's a <good> point. <laughs> Just
0: put him up on the walls. <laughs>
1: <laughs> leave, leave the gate open and Shaggy Dog off the chain. <laughs> yeah,
0: maybe Come put, on maybe, in. maybe open the gate. Let Shaggy Dog off the chain, out of the gate. Then shut the gate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, right. um, as always, you can reach us at ghost.harrenhall at gmail.com. You can follow us at Twitter at ghostharrenhall. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.
0: And if you wouldn't mind going out and leaving us a rate or review, we would greatly appreciate it. It would really help us, uh, goes a long way in helping us grow the show. Yeah. Thanks for listening. Thanks. Bye. Bye.